Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. Y'all, y'all are, y'all are the, 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 how do I say? Y'all are on fire for the Lord. Everyone that's in here, you know, there's blessing in store for you this morning, today. Amen. Praise God. So, with this being the first service, and I know people still roll in, and during the very first service, they start coming in, and about 9.15, we'll have like a lot more. You know, the thing is, because of the early, early service, we don't have worship going on, because this is teaching. It's a Bible. It's building the believer, our teaching school. However, I like to open up with praise and thanking God. So we're going to do that. And just like last week, like I said, I'm not scared to sit here and praise God for some time. I mean, oh, okay, it's been two minutes. No, 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 no. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to give him some time to praise God, lift him up. Father, thank you for this morning. Glory to God. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. We bless your name, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you. It's goodness and mercy that are following us all the days of our life, says in Psalm 23. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you. Thank you we've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we worship you this morning. We enter your courts with thanksgiving. We, we thank you, Father. We praise you into your gates of thanksgiving, into your courts with praise. Father, we lift you up. There's no other God like you. You're the only one true God. You're the God we love to serve. We would never serve any other God but you. Thank you that you're alive forevermore. Thank you that you're not a dead God. Thank you we don't serve some dead God. That we don't sit there and do rituals that have no effect like the Buddhists do. And like other religions do that are dry and have no life. But you said in John 6, 63, My words are spirit and they are life. Thank you that we get impartation from your word, spirit and life. That as we hear your word and are doers of your word, we thank you, Lord, that we are getting an impartation of life downloaded on the inside of us because of this word. Father, thank you that we live in a country that has the freedom to preach your word. Thank you, Lord. Father, we are not embarrassed. We do not back away. We praise and worship you with our mouth, with our words, with our actions. Lord, we love you. And we are not Christians in word only, but in deed. Lord, we love you. Let our lives show that we love you. You said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Lord, we love your law. We love your word. We love to do your word. We love to speak your word. Lord, we love you. We love your presence. We love your Holy Ghost. We put emphasis. We honor your Holy Ghost. You said, I have to leave. It'll be beneficial for you, for you will get the helper, the comforter. Lord, we thank you that in your stead, you gave us the Holy Spirit here on earth. And so we honor Holy Ghost like we honor Jesus. We talk to Holy Ghost like we would talk to Jesus here on earth with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you, and we thank you that this word that is being preached this morning, this message, is straight from heaven for the people that are in this room. We believe that it is divine utterance, that you have given me this message to speak to these people, and so I say the hearts are prepared, the hearts are ready to hear, ears to hear, hearts ready to receive the word of the Lord this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. 
Praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, I just love praising the Lord. So how do you stop? How do you stop? Ah, praise God. He's good. He's good. Amen. All right, so as you all know from the previous week, is this the second week or the third week? Second week, okay. From the previous week, and as you can tell from this graphic right here, I'm preaching on the seed of the word. So last week, I w- uh, went into the infallibility and the, the importance of the word in the life of a believer. And so I had talked about, kind of giving a little recap, I had talked about how so often I believe that as Christians you can get so used to, oh, I, oh yeah, we know the word's important. Oh, yeah, we know the word. But I really went into the fact last week of the word being God. Jesus is the word. And I think sometimes in your walk, you can start to separate because this book is a physical thing and you can see it and touch it, that you think ink, you can start to think ink on paper, like, oh, this is God, I'm coming to you and I'm using your word like it's just a tool rather than this is spirit and this is life. This is God himself. As you read the word, you're fellowshipping with Christ himself. And so I really went deeper into that last week because it really sets up a foundation for what we're going to be talking about. So I told you all last week also that we're going to be all up in Mark chapter four. So this whole this whole series until the end of this month will be based off of Mark chapter four. So in Mark chapter four, you actually have three different parables right there uh, regarding the word and the Lord speaking about the word as seed in three of these parables. So last week I went over verses in in chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, and I think I went over 30 and 32 a little bit. But now we're going to be getting into verses 13 through 20. So these are regarding the different soil, the different types of soil. So the soil is your heart position, your heart condition, I should say. So the seed of the word, I actually didn't get to some of this last week, and I was like, no, I want to say this. Okay, I'll say it next week. So I want to, I'm going to finish up on, on some parts about the word being seed, but after that, we're going to get into the four types of ground, or lack thereof, you'll see when we read it. And so today, I'm going to be talking about the first type. Next week, I'll be talking about the next type, and so on and so forth until the end of the month. So the seed, the word of God, is living right? Where is it living? In your heart. That's where the word of God is living. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living in your heart. A seed, if you think about a physical seed, is alive and it's activated once it's placed in the ground. Until that seed is placed into the ground, it is not activated. If you hold a seed in your hand, it looks to be as if it's dead. There's no life. You don't see life in it because it has yet to be activated by placing it in the ground and watering it. However, that seed is not dead. There is all the fullness of the potential in that seed, but it's not activated yet. And so before it's in the ground, it's just straight potential. Honestly, everything that's in this word is potential. It's potential. 
And you might think, what? Well, we just said it's, it's alive, it's active. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Everything that's in this word is potential until you make it reality in your life. And so it's not dead, it's just inactive or, or it's potential. But once it's planted, it's active and alive and producing. It's the same with the word. The word, if you say, oh, the word's not producing in someone. Hmm. Let's go to Hebrews 4.2. Hebrews, but keep your, you want to keep a mark right there in Mark chapter 4, because we're going to keep, we're going to keep coming back to that. But let's go to Hebrews 4.2 first. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to read 1 through 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, which I could preach on that a lot, but then I'm going to be getting off <laughs> what we're supposed to be preaching this morning. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. The, but, but it's the word. Potential. The word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we, verse 3, for we have believed to enter that rest. So you see that the same exact word can come to two different people. And one person you can see yielding results, yielding fruit, walking in the fullness of the word, and one you can see no fruit in their life. You can see that nothing in the word looks like it's working in their life. Hmm. Hmm. It's the same word. The problem is not the seed. The problem is never the seed. And oftentimes people look to the seed, look to the word that mm, it's not working for me. Why is it working for you? Well, I used that. I said that. I quoted that verse. Why is it working for you? But it's not working for me. It's the same word, same potential, same life, same spirit in life, but two different results. So we see from Hebrews 4.2 that because it was not mixed with faith, it did not profit them. It did not produce because it wasn't mixed with faith. Now, that's because it wasn't planted in the ground of their heart. So we're going to get into the four different types of ground now. Today, we're going to focus on the first type. I'm going to read all of them each week, and then I'm going to focus on one of them each week. So, actually, before we get to that, 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. I want to quote this before we continue. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. I wanted to quote that before going back to Mark chapter 4, because I wanted to show you that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. Immortal. Eternal seed. All right. So Mark, let's see. Mark 4, 1 through 9. I'm going to read 1 through 9, and then I'm going to read 13 through 20. So 1 through 9. So here's Jesus. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside 
and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Stop right there. I do want to give you a picture just so you can picture what's going on here. I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat it this week. Back in the day, they would take seed and literally scatter it like this. And so it would fall on different types of ground because they would literally just throw it. Now we have machines and we make specific holes and make it such and so apart from each other. But back in the day, that's how they actually would sow seed is they would literally throw it. And that's why it says, as a man scatters seed on the ground, he just scatters it. And that's why it could fall on four different types of ground because he's just tossing it. And so wherever it lands, that's, and then they could see the results from where it landed. They, you get different results, which we're going to get into. So it says, as, uh, and it happened as he sowed that some seed, he tossed it, some of it fell by the wayside. The birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve, they asked him about that parable. And he said to them, To you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So he said, To you, you're going to understand it, but to everyone else, I've got to tell it in stories or they're not going to understand. We're going to skip down to verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. And then afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for their word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, 60, and 100. All right, so today we're going to be focusing on that first type which is verses 14 to 15, or verses 15. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So before we completely dive into this, I want to say, again, a quote from last week, because you need to hear this. You need to hear this. And as you hear, and as you hear You hear and hear and hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, hearing. Not having heard. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, hearing. And so the word of God, as it says in multiple parables in this one chapter, is seed. If you leave here not thinking about that, you just weren't listening at all. (laughs) The word is seed. And the thing is, you can have heard something, got it, uh, put the seed in, planted it, got fruit from that. But just like in the natural, you eat fruit from something, you need to continually eat, continually plant, continually water. Farmers don't plant some seed one year and not the next year and not the next year. They will not get continual harvest if they do not keep planting the seed. So as a Christian, we can think, I've heard that. 
I got that. I got revelation on it. And I'm not saying you haven't, and that's awesome, and you got fruit from it. But you have to plant it again, and you have to plant it again, and you have to water it again, and you get produce from that. It's a continual, everlasting life. Continual, immortal word will continually produce and continually produce. But you have to keep sowing the word and watering the word. Sowing the word and watering the word. This is a quote from last week. A minister said, some people take belief in healing and they... Actually, let me go to it because I'm going to misquote it. (laughs) I don't want to misquote it. One minister said, many have made the mistake of substituting their belief in divine healing. We're going to use healing as the subject right now. For the actual taking of God's medicine. You can substitute with, oh, well, I believe that. I know that. I've used it. I believe the Lord. I, you know, a cold tried to come on me, and I used the word, and it didn't. Good. That's awesome. We want that. But you have to keep putting that word on the inside of you. Amen. Over time, when you're getting your soul. There we go. I want to get into oh. <laughs> I want to preach on spirit, soul, and body. I love preaching on that. But I'm just giving a little tidbit, just a little dabble, a little sprinkle, okay? Your soul, (laughs) you're getting so much of other things of the world, just naturally, just normally, uh, just automatically. As you go throughout your day, as you go throughout your week, you're getting so much of all these other things. And some of those things may not be bad, it may not be sin, but it's not the incorruptible word, the seed of the word of God. You get so filled up on other things that you, oh, yeah, wait, I need to go back and get that word and put that back in me again. Another quote by Kenneth Hagin is, um, he said, if someone gave me a steak and I ate it the next day or the next week, someone offered me a steak, I wouldn't say, oh, no, no, I had that yesterday, I had that last week. He's going to eat the steak again, right? You're going to eat it again. The thing is, you can't rely on past revelation of the word. You can't rely on last time I input the word. You can't rely on anything of the past. Now, you need to sow. And even if you're like, well, I'm not going through this or that right now, sow for your future production. Sow for your future harvest, your your future produce. Don't wait till you are in need of the harvest to start planting the seed because it takes time for the seed to water, be grown, meditated on, get it on the inside of you before you actually see the fruit of it. So that's what we talked about last week in uh, verses 26 to 29. I'm just going to read it real quick because I want to. It says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. They should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This shows you that it takes time of watering and allowing that word to germinate. It takes time, it takes patience. It says he sleeps by night and rises by day. This is showing you time is passing. And so sometimes, and this isn't getting on people, it's not trying to condemn anyone, it's just that sometimes you wait till you need the harvest the next day to start planting the seed. But that's not how the word works. It's not how seed in the natural works. This is why he's using this story. He wants to show you that do not wait until it's about to be harvest day. There's actually a story of someone. um, I was listening to Andrew Womack, I think he was yesterday. And uh, (laughs) he said there was this guy 
he used to be, he was like the town, like the whole town knew him as like a druggie and all these things and his life wasn't going well and he got into a lot of trouble and a lot of people knew him as that. But then he got born again. He got born again and he became like the town evangelist. He was preaching the word and he was used mightily. God, it was awesome. But <laughs> one day he goes in and he, he buys, I think, 500000 worth in, uh, for um, wheat. So he invests into uh, farming of wheat. And so it was about to be harvest, either the next month or the next week, something like that. And he comes in, puts 500000 worth in there, and expects that either that next week or that next month to have the harvest on that. So now he's 500000 in debt. And he said, well, I just believed that God would make it produce. And Andrew Womack was talking about it, and he's like, that's not how it works. God put laws into the earth. That's a law. He put laws into the earth. Now, I will say this, especially when it comes to, I'll use the subject of healing. Especially when it comes to the subject of healing, this does not mean that you have to put in the word for healing and wait for it to produce to be able to be healed because this is one method. The reason I say that is you don't want someone who comes up, they have a, the doctor gave them a week to live, told them they have a week to live, and then you say, well, you should have been planting, buddy. <laughs> you should have put the seed in. No, no, no. God is rich in mercy, and God has placed gifts unto the body. There is gifts of healing. There are gifts of miracles, the gift of um, faith. And so God has placed ministers and has placed things in other methods of healing. There are multiple methods of healing if you look into the word. And so I'm not saying that this is the only way. What I am saying, though, is this is the way God prefers if you're going to be mature. Yeah. Because if you go and you get hands laid on you, and that's awesome, and you get your healing, two things. One, as time goes on, if that thing tries to come back on you and you have no root in yourself of the word, you don't know how to defend yourself and you have to keep running to the next minister and running to the next minister in the next meeting. Yeah. Two, two, it's also the fact that well, you're going to have to keep running to somebody else to eat of their fruit if you don't have any fruit. Mm -hmm. But also the word, I mean, everything that's in the word, not just healing, everything that's in the word, God wants you to mature and be able to have have take possession of that by faith yourself. You have to get to a point of maturity in the word that you're able to just take him at his word. We read John chapter 5, I think, last week. And uh, actually, I'm going to go to it because I want to. So we're going to. John chapter 5. Amen. Amen. <laughs> John chapter 5. Yeah, I did read this last week. We're going to read it again. Praise God. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. This is the second miracle he ever did. It's a healing miracle. And it, it's a gradual healing here. And it says, There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out to Judea of Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down. Please come, heal my son. He was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you're so, you're so carnal. You're so based on what you see, hear, smell, taste, and feel. He said, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. Now, what is this like? Who does this remind you of? Thomas? Thomas, when he said, unless I stick my fingers in the holes of his hands and place my hand in his side, I'll by no means believe. And Jesus said, here, stick your hand hither in my side, stick it in the wounds, and because you have seen, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
So he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Like, I don't think he heard anything Jesus just said. He didn't hear, he didn't hear him. He just repeats himself. No, he, but wait, he's going to die, though. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man, here's a switch. He made a switch here. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was uh, now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour, and in the KJV, it says he began to amend. The hour that he began to amend. That is why we know this as a gradual healing miracle. And then so he tells them the time, and then he says, okay, well, I know it's because of the word, that's, that's the exact time that the Lord said that to me. Now, I would say this, I would even say, yes, he does say, um, and he, he asked about the hour, and he knew that was the same hour that he said, Jesus, your son lives. Now, this was a whole, this was hours later, it was the next day, so it was a long trek back to his house, but before he even got back to his house, a servant came and met him part way and told him he lives. And this is the next morning, I mean, hours he's walking. Could he, have, could he have started doubting? Could he, have, he could have, but he didn't. He continued to believe. He held on. He held fast to the word Jesus gave him. He believed. And so he says, oh, well, then I know that must have been, you know what? That's the same hour that Jesus said that. That's what he asked. Well, what time did it start happening? Because he knew when Jesus had said that. When did, when did it begin to amend? Oh, the seventh hour. Oh, that's when Jesus said it. But I would also say that's not only when Jesus said it. It's when he believed. Yeah. That was also the same hour that he believed the word. Now, Jesus could have said it, but if that man didn't take it and believe the word, it wouldn't have produced for him. It would yeah. not have worked for him. But what I love about this passage, what I love, is that Jesus could have went in person. Jesus could have went and touched that son. He could have. But instead, he gave him his word, and it yielded the same results. Amen. Jesus being there in person to touch you, yields the same exact results as if you take his word and believe his word. Amen. I believe what you said. I believe Isaiah 53, by your stripes I am healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, I was healed. I believe that word. When you take that word and you eat it, you devour, you meditate on it, let that word germinate on the inside of you, you will reap the fruit of that word. Amen. Period. The word is incorruptible seed. It will always produce if you allow it to be in good ground. What is good ground? Your faith. Amen. Faith in your heart. Faith in your heart. If you believe, even when you got saved, even when you got saved, it says, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You will see time and time again that it is a divine connection between your heart and faith and your mouth connecting to that in faith. But if you only have one and not the other, it will not produce the results you need. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to say that to say the word of God is the same, yields the same results as him being right there in person. There are so many times that people, there's oftentimes baby Christians, they're still learning everything. Good. That's fine. But oftentimes you'll hear, you'll hear people say, well, if Jesus was here, if I was there back in the day when Jesus was there, then like, then I would get, I know I'd be healed. I know I'd believe it. But I'm here to tell you, if you look at all those passages, what did Jesus say to all of them? He said, whenever they got healed, he said, your faith, by your faith, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He kept putting it back on, the, your faith has made you whole. Go well, go in peace, for your faith has made you whole. If you look, he keeps saying this, he keeps saying this. Jesus required the same amount of faith then 
that he re- that's required now by the word. The same amount of faith you would have had to use if Jesus was right there touching you is the same amount of faith you need to use with this word. Yeah. And so he knew. I mean, he wasn't like, I'm going to get, you know, to some people, I'm going to be here in person and be like, but to these people, they're going to have less. No. Like, like when we were praising God and, and, and I was opening up in prayer, like I mentioned, Jesus himself said, it is, it is beneficial to you that I go so you can receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. The Holy Ghost takes the word and makes it alive in you. The Holy Ghost takes the word and puts it in your heart. The Holy Ghost will help you, help this word to come alive in you. And so he said, it's, it's, it's going to be helpful. It's going to be beneficial for you if I leave. Said, oh, Jesus, if I had you. He said, beneficial if I leave. Because you get to have Holy Ghost mm-hmm. on the inside of you. The disciples, I mean, until he breathed on them, then they had the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. But all the people before that who were walking around when Jesus was there, they didn't even have the Holy Ghost. And they had to keep finding, they had to come find Jesus. They had to, you know. And so the word has the same results as if Jesus was there in front of you. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so we're going to keep going with Mark chapter 4 because I'm going to preach a whole different sermon, and it, then it's going to be time to leave. <laughs> so verses 14 to 15, the first type of ground. Well, really, not really the ground, the wayside. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they hear it, Satan comes immediately, takes the word that was sown from their hearts. Okay, how does that happen? What are some examples of that? Well, someone who sits in church, and the word comes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. That is what this scripture in verse 15 is describing it's describing someone who right when they hear now when we get to the other scriptures the other types of ground in the next weeks to come you'll see some of the word got in but then over time it didn't produce and you'll see that but this first one is immediately it didn't it didn't even stick I mean immediately was in one ear and out the other and so this is someone who didn't understand the word they didn't grasp the word and I'm going to get into why that happens with some people and how to fix it. Amen? Amen? And so this is why you end up seeing, oh, well, the word looks like it, 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 it's, it works in some people and doesn't work in other people. Like we said earlier, the word isn't the problem. The word always works. Amen? Amen? And so this book right here, it's a supernatural book. Like I said last week, this is a bag of seeds. So what you do with it is up to you. But this is a bag of seeds. So whatever it's planted on, that's the kind of results you're going to get or lack thereof. So no one's, li- I mean, no one's life changes from reading Snow White, right? No one's life gets changed by reading a story like Snow White. That's the first story I could think of. I don't know why Snow White, but that's the first story I could think of. That has no life for the words are dead in that book. This word, like I said in John 6, 63, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. And Proverbs 2 sorry, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, it says that if you incline your ear into things, pay attention. The first verse says, pay attention. Give attention unto my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those who find them. They are health to your flesh. That's mortal body. That's mortal body. They are health to your flesh. Amen? Amen? And so you have to continually put that word in on whatever harvest that you desire. So if you're desiring to have, if, if it's health that you want, healing, 
then you're going to get seeds of health and healing. If you want potatoes, you don't plant sunflower seeds. And so if you want healing, why are you in the book of Revelation? I said that last week. (laughs) You're going to take the word of whatever harvest you want and place that seed on the inside of you and let it germinate. So this first person, they hear the word in one ear, out the other. So one way this can take place is A, wrong doctrine. So you can come from a church or from a background or even family members, things family members have said to you growing up, and it takes root. And the Bible calls this a stronghold. Now, don't get all... People get so weird about stuff like that, strongholds, and you have to pull the heavenlies down, and, and the demons, and the uh, what are the, generational curse. And people get so stuck on this, on this stuff that Jesus didn't get stuck on. Yeah. All right, so a stronghold, all that a stronghold is, is a stronghold is something in your mind. A stronghold is not a, a thing you have to, like, pull down. It's something in the, in the spirit. It's actually something in your mind. And I can prove that by going to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. So it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, okay? But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are of the mind. It's talking about the mind this whole time, because what does it say next? Casting down arguments. You know that word arguments, that root word there is imaginations. And in KJV, it actually says imaginations there. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Knowledge. This is your mind. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I'm getting into my next point real quick, (laughs) but something else that that can try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God is people's experiences, their experiences. People will allow experiences to dictate what they believe about the word or not, and that is wrong. Yeah. That's (laughs) what's going to happen is once you hear word, if it doesn't match with what you already think or believe, having heard from other people and experiences have told you, it's, you're going to kick it. Yeah. Your soul's going to kick it out and say, no, that's that, nah. either that's not for me, or mm, I, don't know that that's, I don't know that that's true, or I, I don't know about that, or maybe that was just for the Israelites. It's not for me. You're like, whatever you know, people say. All right. <laughs> so wrong doctrine it's like a, what is that, a, a dry erase board, right? It's like if you had a dry erase board right here and you had written a whole bunch of stuff on it, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff, so it's like filled up. That's old doctrine, experiences, things that other people have uh, said to you. For you to be able to input new information, the word of God, if you've never heard that before, or you're just now getting it into your heart, you then have to go and erase all the old things off, the old things of the old man, the carnal nature, and start writing on it the things of God. But for someone who's just never had, you know, other doctrine or haven't been, people would tell them, no, healing's not for today, miracles died with the last apostles, all that kind of stuff, they're just a blank canvas. So it's pretty easy for someone who just doesn't know anything, they're just ignorant to just take the word and be like, okay, yeah, that's true. But for someone who's been told over and over and over and over that tongues is of the devil, healing's not for today, miracles are died with the last apostles, you have to go and erase that writing off of their mind 
and put the new, true word of God in there and replace it. That's what Romans 12, 2 is talking about when it says renewing your mind. It's erasing all the old stuff that doesn't line up with the word. Or it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. You're erasing those things and you're putting the truth of the word of God on the inside. Amen. That's how you renew your mind. So one of the ways that someone can kick something out when the word comes in, they just immediately eject it. They go, to, they, they go to get the seed of word and they just eject it is because oftentimes they already have some sort of belief. Right. Um, some people, they won't change their mind. They won't change their belief even if the word says it. They won't let the word of God change their belief. <laughs> How crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And then, well, why is it not working? Well, it doesn't work for me. Mm, no, you haven't allowed the word of God to get inside of you and germinate. So old churches, family members, you might have grown up with family members that just, you know, the man upstairs, they had no idea about the word of God. And so they'll say, well, you know that aunt, or you know that one person, you know, I had a friend, I had a coworker, and they died, and they were believing God, and, and, and they, they just, they died, and they said they were believing. Things like this. Experiences that people will place over the word of God. So you're going to tell me, one of these have to be true. One of them can be true. They cannot be true at the same time. In the same way, light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. Only one can be true and one not. So either the word of God is true everywhere for everyone, every time, yeah. or this experience that people allow to shape their mind and their belief is going to tell you it maybe works for some people and maybe it doesn't work for some people. I don't know about that. God has favorites, maybe. You cannot think... The word of God is incorruptible seed. It is Jesus himself. And at the same time, think, well, it only works for some people. Maybe it doesn't work for me. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go to Romans 3, 4. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to tell you it because it's it's pretty short. I'll go to it. Romans 3, 4. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Let God be true. And anything else that does not line up with the word of God, it must be a lie. You have to get that resolute on the inside of you. That must be a lie. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, that must be a lie. You look at your pocketbook. I say pocketbook. It's like so old. Your wallet, you know, (laughs) your cash app, whatever it is, your credit card, your bank statements. And it tries to tell you that you don't prosper, it tries, you know, things talk. Everything talks to you. Yeah. Everything talks to you. You know when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered, it says he answered the fig tree. Yeah. It says he answered it. That means it had to have been talking. It was talking first. He answered it. Everything is always talking to you. Your body can try, be trying to talk to you. Your wallet trying to talk to you. And you have to get this resolute, you have to get on the inside of you, let God be true and Everything else is a lie if it doesn't line up with the word. So it's trying to tell you you're broke. You're a liar. The word says, and you replace it with what the word says. Jesus himself, the word made flesh. Jesus himself, once he got baptized and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the first assignment the Holy Ghost took him was to go get tempted of the devil in the wilderness. And what did he do? He used the word. He used the word. He used the word. And so Satan will try to twist scripture. He tried to use scripture against Jesus. You think Satan doesn't know scripture? He knows scripture. How do you think we get all these terrible, awful doctrines of devils where they try to use scriptures to justify these things that are just so not true? (laughs) 
And so the word of God is your defense. The word of God, anything that goes against this word, whether it's experiences, doctrines, whatever it is, it must be a lie. Symptoms in the body. Oh, you must be a lie because the word says by his stripes I was healed. And when you get that resolute about it, it'll produce in your life. But until then, you will see no fruit of that. You will see no fruit until you get that confident of the word. Amen? Amen. So one way that people can, uh, the word can just come one ear and out the other, is they kick it out because they already have wrong doctrine. But we just saw in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, that um, to the pulling down of strongholds, those things that have been put in your mind as a stronghold to block you from the word of God, you can cast them down. You have authority over your mind and you just use the word of God and you're going to take that thought that you used to think, you're going to throw it away and you're going to immediately replace it with the word of God. And as you do this over time, over time, your mind will be transformed and you will start to think as God thinks. And so I want to use this example Dr. Caroline Leaf, a bunch of y'all know who that is, I think, right? Y'all know who Dr. Caroline Leaf is? She's good. Okay, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a neurosurgeon. And no, no, she's not a surgeon. She's a neuroscientist? She studies the brain, okay? Whatever word that means, she studies the brain, all right? (laughs) So, (laughs) and the mind. And she makes a distinction between the brain, the physical brain, and the mind. But we're not getting into that right now. I do want to get into this. She did a study... And so in your brain, you have pathways that you have made in your brain, these like wrinkles, like, you know, people say, oh, let me make a new wrinkle in your brain, meaning give you new information. And so your brain actually makes pathways and she, you could actually see this. You ever look at a brain on the inside, it looks like a tree and it has like branches like that. And so you make a pathway in your brain. And once you think something over and over and over and over, it forms, it's like someone going through the woods with a machete and you're making a trail. You're blazing a trail. And the reason your mind or your brain does that is so that you can get back to that same thought easier. And so your mind makes it easier for you to get back to a certain thought by making a trail. So it's quicker. Think about like a toddler when you ask them something and they're like processing, trying to get the answer out. And then they say it. But when you're 10 years old, you shouldn't be processing that long trying to get the answer out. You're just going to yeah. be quick to say, you know, whatever the answer is. You've already exercised that part of your brain, that trail. Well, you can blaze trails in your brain with wrong thinking, wrong doctrine, things you've always believed. And then if it says, like it says in Romans 12 too, which we didn't, we didn't go there, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you go and you take that thought that you were going to think and you stop and say, no, and I would even say you should say it out loud. Yeah. No. And then you give the word instead. No, by his stripes I'm healed. No, yes. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. No, whatever, whatever word is, that, whatever seed you need right then. And she actually did a study where you can actually form new pathways and the old one will like close up. And so if you go and you stop yourself at that thought and you make a new pathway, and then the next time, next time you stop yourself in that thought and you make a new pathway, eventually this is going to be your natural route instead of that first route. And so over time, and even in the, I think even in the natural, even people who aren't even believers, you know, positive thinking and stuff, obviously it's a law, it works, it's, it's a law. So, you know, gravity works for believers and unbelievers, right? right? These things work for everybody because they're laws. Well, this is a law. 
that if you renew your mind to the word of God, no matter who you are, if you renew your mind with the word of God, you're going to form these new pathways and your mind will be transformed. Think about when you first got saved, you first started putting the word of God into action and into thought and meditating on it. And now your first thoughts on things are even, I'll even use this even like, um, like dirty jokes or bad words or something like that, where at first you had to keep, oh, 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 I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Over time, you corrected yourself. You don't do that anymore. Like this morning, I'm sure you, I hope, I hope y'all, you're on the way here. You know, you were like, oh, let me correct myself and say, it's not even in you anymore. It's not even part of you anymore because you put on the new man. Amen. You've taken your soul and gotten it in line with your spirit, who is a new creation in Christ. Now, someone can be born again. They never renew their mind. They never get their soul right. Their spirit might be saved, but that's why you have carnal Christians. That's why you have people who are living just like the world because they never got their soul. They never got their mind renewed to the word of God. Their spirit is just as saved as you are, but their soul is not. They're, they're not acting. They're not doing the word. And so there are, there's a, it comes to a place where you have to get it from your spirit into your soul. But man, I want to preach on that so bad, but let's go back to what I was talking about. All right, another way that you can be that first type of soil, or, or lack thereof soil, the wayside, is, um, so yeah, so experiences. I want to, let me see, yes, I'm going to go to it. Mark 9, I'm going to go back and forth between Mark 9 and Mark uh, Matthew 17, because they are like sister uh, verses, they're the same parable, but written two different ways. So Mark chapter 9, I don't know if anyone has ever said that, sister verses, but you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, Mark 9. So I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. I'm just going to paraphrase it to you. So this man, he has a son. He's been having seizures and such like that. A demon is inside of him, making him cast himself into the fire and into the water and all these things. So he, he uh, sees the disciples. He knows they've been with Jesus. So he's like, hey, can you guys come and heal my son? So the disciples try to cast it out. And then they're like, oh, why can't we cast it out? So they go and get Jesus, the head honcho, because they couldn't do it. So they go and get him. He comes over there. And so let's see what Jesus said. Um, actually, I'm going to go to Matthew 17. I was in Mark 9. I'm going to go to Matthew 17 for this one. So Matthew 17, this is verse 18 to 20. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your what? Unbelief. Because of your unbelief. If your um, translation says little faith, I... Don't agree with that translation of that word. If you look into it, it actually is unbelief, which is different than little faith. Amen. For surely I say to you, if you have faith, because that wouldn't make sense if you, for the next thing he's about to say. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind, unbelief, not the demon, this kind of unbelief, yeah. does not go out except by prayer and fasting. People will read that and think this kind, meaning that that kind of demon doesn't come out like unbelief. No, if you look at that scripture, if you look at that passage, it starts in verse 20, because of your unbelief. Not because of the demon, not because, because of your unbelief. Because, because means why, why, because, because of your unbelief. Okay, Amen. so he says because of your unbelief, that means unbelief is the um, main, uh, main point of, that, of what he's saying. Okay, the, what is it called? The something of the sentence. It's, yeah, the subject of the sentence. Thank you. <laughs> unbelief is the subject of this sentence, of this passage. So he's talking about unbelief. So then he goes, however, this kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Why? Unbelief comes through the senses, the five physical senses. Hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, feeling. 
You can have faith and unbelief can contradict it. It doesn't mean you didn't have the faith. It just meant you let unbelief in through the five physical senses. Now that is a message for another, uh, another Sunday that I would love to get into, but we're going to move on because that's not what we're talking about right now. So <laughs> the reason I brought this up, this, this passage, is if you hop up to 15 and 16, when the man first came to Jesus, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Experience. So he comes to Jesus with an experience that, oh, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And if he had let that shape him, and if he had let that experience dictate whether, you know, there was power in the word, power in Jesus, which is also in his disciples, which is also in us, then um, he could have sat there and said, well, my aunt said, and actually one time I took my son, and these people, they couldn't cast him out. So, I mean, I guess the word doesn't always work. And he could have let this experience dictate. But actually the word always works. As you see, Jesus yeah. used his word, and it worked. Yeah. But the difference was the disciples were in unbelief. And so I wanted to use this as an example of experiences of Actually, I'm going to go over to Mark 9. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to hop over there. Jesus, see, he said to, in uh, verse 22 of Mark chapter 9, he said, often he has thrown himself in the fire and in the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. He had already seen disciples trying to cast it out and, see, and seen with his physical senses that it wasn't. So now he comes to Jesus and says, well, if you can, if you can, and then Jesus, verse 23, corrects him, well, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. Yeah. All things are possible to him who believes. There's a lot of cutesy songs and cutesy sayings that's like, with, you know, um, God, nothing's impossible for you. But actually the word says, nothing's impossible for you yes. if you believe. Amen. Nothing's impossible for you. So oftentimes I'll say that and I'll say, nothing's impossible for me. Nothing's impossible for me because I'm a believer. If you believe, you're a believer. Yeah. So Jesus then says, if you can believe, all things are possible. So then the, uh, the father uh, cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I have faith, but unbelief has crept in. So Jesus saw that the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit. He said, deaf and dumb spirit, get out of here. Come out of him, enter him no more. And the spirit cried out. Look at verse 26. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. So it looked... It looked like it got worse. Yeah. It looked like, if they were just going by the five physical senses, it could have looked like it got worse. Jesus was not phased. He was not phased at all. So then Jesus comes over, lifts him up by the hand, and he gets up. And then that's when his disciples, it says in that one, start asking him, why couldn't we do it? So that came because of unbelief counteracted their faith that they had. Now, obviously, they had faith. You might say, oh, they didn't have faith. They had faith, or they wouldn't have first spoke to it. If they didn't have any faith, they wouldn't have attempted. They wouldn't have stepped out in faith to say, come out of him in Jesus' name. And if you look at other passages of Scripture, disciples had already been doing this. It says they had already done mighty works. They had already, they, he said in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 18, he said, they say, well, so, uh, demons are subject to us in your name. And then Luke 10, 19 is when Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. But then he says, after that, don't, don't be so excited in the fact that demons listen to you. Be more excited. I mean, be excited about it, but be more excited that uh, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you see, 
the, the disciples had already used their faith. They had already been stepping out and doing work. So it wasn't that they didn't have faith. That wasn't the issue. It was that they had let unbelief by the five physical senses come in right. and hinder their faith from working. All right. Again, I could go deep into that and do another message, but I got to keep going on this. So I wanted to show you that to say experience could have shaped that man. Experience could have shaped him. He could have not believed the word. He could have had no faith in uh, Jesus even being able to do it because he didn't see the disciples do it. And so uh, anything, any experiences, they go, oh, that must not be true. That must not be true. I, I can't sit there and think, well, the word must not be true because of that experience. You have to think that experience must not be true because of the word. Yeah. Amen? Amen. That's good. Amen. So another way, time, another way is that if you have no expectancy of the word, same old, same old. If you come into church and you don't expect anything, you come to church, which I'm not, I'm looking at y'all, not y'all, right? So if you have no honor for the word in your life, you come to clock in, I came on church, I came to church on Sunday, did I get a star in heaven? And he put a star next to your name and said, good job, you did it. No, what's the point? You might as well leave. I'm going to be honest with you, you might as well leave. Yeah. Why get up early? Why do all that? Why? If you have no expectancy on the word of the Lord, you have no passion, you have no desire to praise God, you have no, you know, that word comes so alive on you, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. You come together in like-mindedness, like faith, ready to praise God together, ready to hear the word of the Lord from that shepherd who's been placed over you. And so when you have that kind of expectancy, you're always going to get from the word. Amen. But there are people who don't. There are people who come in, sit on the back and fall asleep, and they feel that they're doing a duty and they're conscious, and they're, and they're conscious they're not, um, can, they don't feel as condemned if they come and show up in person. And so the thing is, I'm glad you're coming and you should keep going. So I'm not condemning anyone. Keep coming, but change your mindset so that you can actually produce fruit. If you're going to be here hearing the word, if the seed's coming, you might as well make it good ground so you actually get results from it. You actually get produce from it, right? Yeah. Amen. And so another way that this can come is by no expectancy of the word, same old, same old, no, fam no uh, honor for the word, familiarity of the word, I've heard this before, whatever, okay? It's like, um, it's like coming to a restaurant and you don't eat. Why are you coming to the restaurant? Why, who goes to a restaurant, sits in the back, doesn't order anything, smells and sees that everyone else is eating some good stuff, and then leaves? Who, do who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody does that. All right, so <laughs> if you're going to come to the restaurant, come to eat. Amen? Amen. Come get full. Amen. Come, come hungry. Yeah. You go to a restaurant, you come hungry to a restaurant. Amen. You already start thinking about it. Your mouth starts watering. You start picturing the steak steaming. You start seeing what that's going to, you, you start almost tasting it in your mouth because you're envisioning that, that, that food. That's how the word of God has to be. You have to start imagining. You got to see it. You got to see it work. You got to see yourself doing that thing that you weren't doing before physically. You got to see yourself Amen. with money and giving to people and Amen. giving to people and giving because you have so much abundance and prosperity, which you get that abundance and prosperity by giving, but that's another message. Amen. And so all of these things, you have to start imagining till your mouth starts watering. Amen. You have yeah. to start imagining it till you can start tasting it. And when you start tasting it and you start seeing it, then you can have it. Yeah. Amen. So you go into a restaurant hungry. You come to church hungry. It is 9.55. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going <clears> to <throat> quickly run through this super quick. In other ways, if you made up your mind of the vessel that it's coming out of, um, 
I'm going to get into the offering message because it's time for me to stop talking. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Thank you that there is good soil in this room and that we are learning from your word, from these parables, um, exactly what you were talking about here. And our eyes are being opened to, to learn from your amazing teachings that give us life and, and spirit and, and his life. And so, Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for the seed sown of finances. I thank you, Lord, as, as your people come up and, and uh, sow into the word, sow into this church, sow into the things of the kingdom of God, just like your incorruptible word, which is the seed of the word of God, I thank you that their seed, which is representing their finances, as they sow, I thank you that it is so abundantly blessed because they are obeying and acting on the word that you have commanded them to do. I thank you that they see great increase in their finances in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.